You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are doing a series on baptism. We just got out of a series on relationships. Uh, which is uh, stuff that we all focus on regularly and think about. And we're moving into a more theological, heady thing. And so last week I didn't make that transition well. And I was like, oh, we just jumped right into some hard theology. But that's what we're doing. We're in the middle of it. So we're going to be thinking about this. Uh, we're thinking about baptism. And what we're doing is we're going through uh, four weeks of baptism leading up to Pentecost which is the church's birthday. It's when the Holy Spirit comes to be a part of every human who follows Jesus. And uh, it's, a, it's a great celebration in the church. Uh, uh, yeah, Pentecost. If you have any questions, feel free to send them. I got this here. Any question, no question. Uh, too smart or too dumb. I might be too dumb to answer some of them, but I'll do my best to answer them throughout the week. If I do not have an answer for you now, we'll take a moment at the end to take a look at those. It'll be on the bottom of each screen uh, if you want. It's there. It's also in your bulletin. Uh, I wanted to let you know some of the options that you could do uh, coming up for Pentecost if you are so inclined. Some things you can do. If you have not been baptized before and you've been thinking about it and considering it, I would love for you to be considering that, praying about that. Let me know if that's something you want to do. You can write that on your card. Give me information. Give me your name and you can write baptism. We'll talk about it. The other thing you can do is if you've been baptized and you're feeling a new movement of the Spirit and you want to reaffirm your baptism, we could totally do that as well. Uh, and then uh, if you want to dedicate a child, uh, this is a time when we can do that. Um, what this is, is you're saying to Jesus and to the church that you are going to raise your child in a godly way, in a way that helps them encounter Jesus at a young age. And so we can do that on this day. Or if you want to baptize your child, we also do that as well. So any of that, write that down here. If we don't have any, we don't have any. We're just learning about what our baptism is. And that's good because we need to be living into our baptism throughout our whole spiritual lives. Everyone has a concept of what baptism is, or at least some, some idea of what it is. We went through this last week. We showed a bunch of different kinds. I, I showed those Russian Orthodox getting dunked in the ice, and it was lovely. Here's a story of someone who kind of has an idea of what baptism is, but wasn't totally aware of what it was. Uh, this is Patrick uh, of Ireland, right? St. Patrick. And he was going around Ireland. I don't know if you know, he wasn't from Ireland. He was really Roman but he was captured as a slave as a young child and taken into Ireland and was a slave there. And upon his release, he went back home, but the Lord put it on his heart to head back to that land and talk about Jesus. There's a really great book called The Celtic Way of Evangelism that I love, and it just talks about their methods and ways, and I think it's a really beautiful picture about how to share Jesus. But he was walking around sharing about Jesus, and King Angus wanted to know more about the faith, but he didn't know much. But he heard about this thing called baptism, and he said, Patrick, I want you to baptize me when you get here. They're talking through correspondence, talking through messengers. And Patrick said, I'd be happy to baptize you. And so when he meets King Angus, he tells him a little bit about the faith. King Angus is, is coalescing Ireland, all these tribes, and he's, and he's getting them together to be one nation, and he's going to be the king. And, and he wants to be baptized, and he wants to make this a, a Christian people. And so he says, you have to baptize me. And so they go into the river. Now, Patrick is a bishop, so he has this really great shepherd's hook. It's called a crozier. It has a hook on top so you can wrangle sheep, but it also has a spike on the bottom so you can spike it into the ground while you're preaching. And I'm not saying that I would like for you guys to buy me one, but I'm just saying, like, if you did, though, that it'd be pretty sweet. I'm not a bishop, though, so, like, I get it. 
And so they go into the water, and he baptizes King Angus, and he, and he puts his stake down, and he begins preaching because preachers got to preach. And they don't know much about Jesus, and so he's trying to give them a little bit of word and this momentous occasion where Ireland's becoming Christian. And then he looks down, and his white bishop robe is flowing red, and there's blood everywhere in the water. He'd just been going on for 10, 15 minutes not knowing what's going on. He finally figures it out. He stuck his crozier in King Angus's foot. And he said, why didn't you tell me? He said, I thought that was part of it. <laughs> that, that's all kinds of images of this. You can see it here. There's stained glass. I thought that's what we were supposed to do. Isn't that part of baptism? Everyone has a little bit of an understanding of what baptism is. Maybe not the full picture, right? So that's what we're trying to do here. Uh, is trying to get a bigger, fuller picture of what baptism is and why we do it. That's what we're doing. So if you've been baptized, we're relearning or learning or remembering what it is. Last week we talked about why and why that is important. And I, and I can tell you scripturally why it's important, but I really want you to be considering that for yourself. Why, why did you do it or why do you want to do it? But scripturally, why we get baptized is because Jesus was baptized. Jesus is, in the old language, the divine exemplar. He is God, but he also shows us what it's like to be truly human. And so because he was, we do as well. He also commands it. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, will be baptized, right? Going all the nations, making disciples, uh, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I command you. He commands it. He models it. And so my why that I think coming out of this that scripture gives us why we should be baptized, is that baptism cements what Jesus has already done, and it's a catalyst for what Jesus is going to do. We don't think it's magic. We don't think that is where you get salvation, right? That's a gift of God that God gives us upon us putting our faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't save us. It's not magic, but something mysterious happens in the water. Something's going on there. It's important enough for Jesus to command it for us, and so this is my ultimate why. It cements what Jesus has done through salvation, through transformation, through giving us the Holy Spirit, and it's a catalyst for what Jesus wants to do. What is baptism? Uh, I told you that there is a world council of churches. Uh, They meet together to talk about issues, and what they did back in the 70s was they got all the major denominations together, and they said, let's talk about what we have in common about baptism. A lot of times we talk about what our differences are, but let's talk about what, what we have in common, and they came up with four that every major denomination has, including ours. And it's these ones, participation in Jesus' death and resurrection, which we talked about last week. If you're interested in hearing that, please do so. Cleansing and converting, which we're going to talk about today. Sealing of the Spirit and belonging to the body of Jesus. Uh, That is next week. And the last week, Pentecost is a taste of the kingdom of God and the world to come. Let's talk about cleansing and converting. And I'm going to do it through a couple different scriptures, but we're going to start off with Acts. And the backstory of this passage is that Paul is on trial. St. Paul comes after Jesus. He ministers to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Uh, he wrote almost half of our New Testament. And he, uh, he's, give, he's giving his testimony at this trial. And he says, this is what happened. I pretty much, my whole life as a Jew, which, which I was a high-ranking uh, Jewish leader, and I was zealous for the Lord. I was really on fire for God. And how that came out was I was going to murder Christians. I was going to try to stamp out this new movement. Uh, and so I was going around trying to kill churches and kill Christians. And on my way to Damascus to do exactly that, the Lord got a hold of me, changed my life, made me blind, 
told me that I was persecuting him by persecuting his people and that he had big plans for me. That I needed to go see this guy named Ananias and Ananias would make me unblind and tell me the rest of the story. And so here's the scripture I want to get to. There's a certain man named Ananias. He came and stood beside me and he said, Brother Saul, Paul's name was Saul before he met Jesus, then it was Paul, receive your sight. He said, instantly I regained my sight and I could see him. He said, the God of our ancestors has selected you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear his voice. You will be God's witness to everyone concerning what you have seen and heard. And then he says to Paul, this very devout religious person who knows more Bible than all of us put together, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins as you call on Jesus' name. You know how I preach? Head, heart, hands, something for us to know, something for us to feel or experience, and something for us to do. That's my three points. What does God want us to know? God wants to know that your, your past doesn't define you, that Jesus does. Your past doesn't define you. Jesus does. Ananias says, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, and call on his name. And the thing that struck me about this is that if this murder of murderer, trust me, there's an ER there. It's really small. If this murderer of God's people, <laughs> this persecutor of Jesus himself, gets to be forgiven, you do too. And we're not like weighing sins and we're not like trying to figure out who's the worst human being on the planet. But this is some bad stuff, y'all. And if he gets to just be baptized and have his sins washed away, you do too. Absolutely. This is one of the takeaways. Your past doesn't define you. Jesus does. This is one of the things about baptism is Jesus becomes our ultimate identity and the definer of who we are. I read this story a number of years ago. It's about Chris Simpson. He was a white supremacist and he wanted to get baptized. And I thought it was an incredible story. He starts off by talking about how he really, really hated non-white people. So much so that he had pure hate written on his knuckles. Now, I don't want to like, like, listen, listen. If you're going to go down this road, that's a cool tattoo. That's all I'm saying. Like, it matches. If you're going to be a hateful person, that's what I'm saying. I was like, you know exactly where that guy stands. You know what I mean? Uh, he was not a good person. So much so that he led movements. He was trying to build a coalition of people that thought like him, that would, that would just be hateful towards non-white folks. And what happened was he was in Walmart with his kids. And he said he'd been trying to keep this away from his kids. That this is something that he was doing, uh, but he didn't necessarily want his kids to be in Affected with it and he was in Walmart and there was a person of color down the aisle and his kid said we can't go down there dad and used some derogatory language and said dad this is going to be bad if we go down there and he said at that moment I realized I had not kept my kids from this and I needed to change and he said well I need to change he said I got to figure out what went wrong where did things go wrong he says I started out good so I was a young marine I was raised Methodist he said, I had all the, the right stuff growing up. But as he got into his marriage and he started having a family, one of his children got sick and passed away. And he said that filled his hate, his heart with so much hate. And he didn't know how to express it, that it started coming out in this other way. And so he started trying to gather people with him and create a movement. 
Now, it was not very successful. He lived in a small town, and he could only find like six or seven other people who marched down the street with him. And like 500 times more people showed up to like make fun of them than actually marched with him. But he was trying to do this. This is the way his, his hate was expressed. But after that situation with his kids, he realized he needed to do something different. Driving by a church, he saw that there was a movie night. He went to this movie night at this church. Uh, Jesus got a hold of him, and he said his life began to change in such a way he wanted to know what the next step was, and he wanted to get baptized. And he told the pastor he wanted to get baptized in a see-through tank top shirt because he wanted people to see his past. He wanted to see what he was leaving behind. He wanted them to see what he was leaving behind. He wanted them to see what he was moving towards. And so he got baptized this way, gave his life to Jesus, and then as a way to try to alter the future with Jesus' help, he's getting all his tattoos removed, which I heard hurts worse coming off than it does going on. And I just appreciated that story because I think in some ways he gets it. That like, obviously he embodies some of the evil that we all have in our hearts and in our lives. But he also realizes that there's something about baptism that cleanses and converts, that washes away, that allows us to not be defined by our past and gives us hope for an alternate future. It reminds me of this passage from Paul. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, that is what some of you used to be. But you were washed clean and you were made holy to God. And you were made right with God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. You used to be like this, but not anymore. So that's what God wants us to know. Your past is healed and forgotten. You are washed clean. Your past is washed away. What does God want us to feel? He wants us to have a clean and clear conscience. I saw this theme as I was researching this and studying this. There's a theme that has to go on with, with, with conscience, with our conscience. We think of conscience like this sometimes in our culture, right? There's an angel. There's a good one and a bad one. And in the cartoons, that one's fun, right? That one wants you to do the fun stuff. And this one wants you to do the right thing. And that's not always how people thought about conscience in the ancient times. It was just this thing that reminded you of your bad stuff. It was the thing that reminded you of your mistakes and your failures and your brokenness and your sinfulness. That's what conscience was. But we kind of get that here, right? Of like, this one's like, you should do the right thing even though you won't normally. And this one's like, just do what you normally do, right? Like, or maybe you saw these ones, right? Donald almost always listened to the, the demon one. There's a theme that's clear that comes out with baptism in Scripture about our conscience. Acts 23 Brothers, I have lived my life. This is Paul talking. I have lived my life with an altogether clear conscience right up to this very day, which is what I want for you. But what I want you to also see hidden, embedded in this, is this is the guy that was murdering people in God's name to try to stomp out Jesus' movement. And he's like, I've had a clean conscience my whole life. And you're like, maybe you shouldn't have, man. But that's how powerful <laughs> baptism is. It washes away your past so cleanly and so clearly that your conscience is, is crystal clear. Hebrews 10, which I love this passage so much. I mean, it sums up every point we're talking about today. I even made it our benediction at the end of the service. One part of this Hebrews 10 passage says, Our hearts are sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies are washed with pure water. Can I give you one more? 
1 Peter 3. Baptism is like that. It saves you now, not because it removes dirt from your body, but because it is the mark of a good conscience towards God. There's something about baptism that washes our brain, that washes away our past, that sets us free from who we were, and allows us to step boldly and confidently forward as children of God with a clean and clear conscience. To the point now where you can trust your instincts. You can trust your spiritual instincts because you have a good conscience. You can trust your motivations, your heart motivations, because God has washed you clean. This is Pat Summerall. He was a football player, turned, I knew him as an announcer. He announced uh, with John Madden for a long time. My favorite thing in John Madden was he would say things really profoundly that were just the dumbest. Be like... Uh, the point, you're really going to have success if you have more points on the board at the end of the game. You're like, thanks, dude. <laughs> like, is that how sports works? I didn't know. Uh, Pat Summerall was with him often. And Pat Summerall also went through a tragedy where he had lost his spouse. And to cope with that, he dove headfirst into alcohol and developed quite a habit. He was saying to the point where he'd have to pound like four beers just to get out the door at like 6.30 in the morning just to figure it out. His family did an intervention and said, you got a problem. And they got the network involved. NBC came too and said, you really got to figure yourself out. Otherwise, we can't keep you going. And he says, uh, there was a couple of things in the intervention that made me know I needed help. One was a letter from my daughter saying that she was ashamed that she had the same last name as I did, which will shock you a little bit. But he said, I put it off. I said, hey, the draft's coming up. There's things that are coming up. I need to, uh, let me get through that, and then I'll go into a program. And then NBC stepped in one more time and said, you can't do any of that. And so he went to the Betty Ford Clinic. Is that a thing? Yeah. Uh, to deal with this. And he said they were going through the 12 steps, and one of the steps is that you have to have a higher power. And he's like, I thought I, I'd just make Jesus my higher power. And I'm like, good call, man. And he said it was there. He just grew an insatiable appetite for scripture. And he just really encountered Jesus. And he said he was just feeling the spirit move in his life. And he went to his pastor. And he says, what's my next step? Very similar to Chris Simpson. And the pastor said, you, you should get baptized because it cements what Jesus has done. And it's a catalyst for what Jesus did. I added that. He didn't say that. I, that's what I'm trying to convey to you. And so because he has money, he jumped on a plane, and he flew to the Jordan River in Israel, and he got baptized. We got a, we got a perfectly good river. This, thing, this thing's a ditch, I'm, I'm telling you. I know it's in the Bible, but it's like a muddy ditch. Ours is much better. And at, after his baptism, he wrote, I went down in the water, and when I came up, it was like a 40-pound weight had been lifted from me. I have a happier life, a healthy life, and a more positive feeling about life than ever before. He is experiencing that crystal clear conscience thing that we were talking about, that weight lifted from him. Because many of us, whether we know it or not, have mountains of stuff, shame, brokenness, sin, faults, issues. But in baptism, we experience that Jesus has an even bigger mountain of grace and love. And baptism helps us to stand in the world confidently with that crystal clear conscience as God's child. Washed clean. Washed clean. What does Jesus want us to do with all this? We see it a little bit in the story from Paul, but we get it in other places too. 
The Bible really wants us, because of baptism, there's a way in which now we can draw close to Christ like never before. First, we see Ananias say this to Paul in the passage we read earlier. The God of our ancestors has selected you to know his will, to see the righteous one, Jesus, and to hear his voice. To know, to see, to hear. These are all words about proximity. These are all words about intimacy and closeness. This is what God wants to do in the life of Paul and in the life of you. Get baptized, he says, so we can do this. So you can draw close to Christ. This is what we are being encouraged to do. We have James. There's a, there's a, a book of James that tells us to draw close to Christ, and Christ will draw close to you, which we're going to read here in a minute. Last story. This is Lee Strobel. If you don't know his story, he wrote a book called The Case for Christ. And essentially, it, it went like this. Can I go back to his? There we go. He was a journalist. I don't know what he worked for. Boston Globe? I'm making that up. Thank you. Is that what it says? I can't see that far. How did you know that very specific detail? You're really invested in his life story. I mean, his wife were avowed atheists. They were never going to church. And their story was, they went out to get some, I think it was pizza, which makes sense, in Chicago. So kind of like pizza. The story's coming together, y'all. I think it was a pizza restaurant. Seriously. And they had a kid, and the kid started choking. And this was, I don't know, late 60s, early 70s. And uh, uh, the people didn't know what to do. They just didn't know what to do. They, they tried that thing where they slapped the back a lot. That's what my parents did. No, no one knew Heimlich Maneuver. I don't know when that was invented, but there was just a lot of hitting. It was just like, I'm just going to hit you as hard as I can uh, in the back. And so that was going on with this child, and nothing was working. And they both wrote and talked about how they just thought they were going to watch their daughter pass away in front of them. And this nurse jumps up and just does one of these things and dislodges the food and saves the child. And the mother was like, thank you so much. I don't know what we would have done without you. We are so lucky that you were here. And the nurse said, it wasn't luck. It was Jesus. I wanted to go to a different restaurant. I didn't even like this place, but I felt like Jesus was saying, you need to go have dinner here. And so I did, and I'm glad I was here. And the wife could not stop thinking about this, Lee Strobel's wife could not stop thinking about this. So she goes in the hospital and she finds the nurse. And she said, I can't, I can't let this go. And the woman said, you should come to my church with me. And she was going to Willow Creek, a big church in the Chicago area. I should have put that together about Chicago. <laughs> and Lee Strobel's wife began encountering Jesus. And so Lee Strobel writes this book because he's going to disprove Christianity. He thinks it's dumb. He thinks only dummies are part of this. And he's going to disprove this. And, and so he's going to use his journalistic tools to write and explore and investigate why Christianity is false and why no one should be a part of it. Because he sees his wife slipping away into Christ and wants to try to prevent that and prevent other people from having that. She gets baptized, as I just said. He does his investigation. And at the end of his investigation, finds Jesus to be as real as you and I sitting here to the point where he can't deny it anymore. He gets baptized, gives his heart to Jesus, and becomes an influential voice for the last 30 years in the church. There's a movie about it, if you 
don't want to read the book. I'll just be honest. Sometimes books are... So much so Jesus got a hold of him that now he's a pastor. And he gets to help people experience what he experienced. And I bring all that up to say, uh, he's got a quote about a woman in his church getting baptized. And he writes it in one of his subsequent books. And I just want to share her story from his ministry because I think the whole thing is really profound and interesting. She said, when my turn came to get baptized, I walked towards the cross. I was directed to a pastor to be baptized. He looked me straight in the eyes, and I thought for sure that he was going to read my terrible secret. They had to write something down on a piece of paper that I had kept from everything, everybody for so long. But instead, I felt like God was telling me, I love you. It's okay. You've been forgiven. She said, I felt so much love for me, a terrible sinner. It's the first time I ever really felt forgiveness and unconditional love. It was unbelievable and indescribable. This is what we're being encouraged to do in baptism, to know that we're being washed clean, to know that Jesus is washing our conscience clean, that we get to experience a clean conscience, and that now, for some reason in the mystery of baptism, we're able to draw close to Jesus in such a way that we get to experience what she experienced, unconditional love, indescribable, unbelievable. This is what the author of Hebrews says in that full passage that we read part of earlier. Brothers and sisters, we have confidence that we can enter the Holy of Holies by means of Jesus' blood through a new and living way that opened up for us through the curtain, which is his body. And if you've been around a church at all, you've heard this passage before, that because of Jesus, we get to enter into closeness with, with God. And what he's describing here is the temple, and the temple had all these outer rings, and then they get smaller, and then they get smaller, and in the middle is a box, and inside that box is another room, and it's called the Holy of Holies, and that was where God lived, and only one person, one time a year, got to go in there and offer atonement for the sins of the whole nation. And what authors, the author of Hebrews is saying is because of Jesus, we all get to go in there spiritually, metaphorically, we all get to go into this. That's right. Amen. And we've heard this passage before that God wants us to draw near. We have ultimate and intimate access with God, but it's a baptism passage. The author goes on. Therefore, let's draw near with a genuine heart, with the certainty that our faith gives us, since our hearts are sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies are washed with pure water. It is our baptism that allows us to have the confidence to enter into ultimate intimate access to God through Jesus Christ. This is what God wants for us in this cleansing and converting baptism. Or just as James says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. There are no more barriers. You are as close to Christ as you choose to be. I have one comment, and it says, the Heimlich Maneuver was invented in 1972 been around my whole life so I just thought it was around forever that wasn't that long ago <laughs> just a lot of back slapping there are no more barriers you are as close to Christ as you choose to be in part because of your baptism what does God want us to know let's summarize this God wants us to know that your past doesn't define you and you've been washed clean and your new identity and this is what your new identity in Christ does for you uh, God wants you to know that and ha wants you to feel experience a crystal Clear conscience as a child of God to stand before God and the world confidently. And lastly, what does God want us to do? But to draw close to Christ in boldness and in confidence. Would you pray with me?
Father, we thank you. We thank you for the truth of this scripture, that you are inviting us to be very close to you in ways that people never have been able to before. Would you help it to be true for us? Right, we read it, we know it in our head, but would you help us to experience this in profound ways? That you desire closeness, that you desire proximity, that you want confidence for us, that we can walk before you and before the world confidently with a clear conscience. Would you make that a reality for us? Undeniable. Not like we just, you know, got a self-esteem boost, but that because of our baptisms and because of your Holy Spirit within us, that we would experience the confidence that you desire for us. And would you help us to develop healthy rhythms that would be about drawing close to you regularly, daily, weekly, hourly, because we have this access, because we have this proximity, because of your blood, because of our baptisms, you invite us into the Holy of Holies. Would you help us to make that a part of our life? so that we can experience you. And Lord, communion is one of those times you know that you've invited us to be close to you. That in some mysterious way, you tell us that this is your presence, your body and your blood is present somehow in the cup and the loaf. And so as we come, help us to come with anticipation and expectation to see you, to be near you, to be touched by you and healed by you. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and glory. Table Church, will you pray with me the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.